0: To on the block with Stricken Bob on 937 The Ticket and the
1: Ticketfm.com. We are back on the block here on 937 the Ticket. And uh, it's a rainy day outside, which is uh, causing no baseball to be played up in Omaha for the Big Ten tournament today. Uh, so some, somewhat of unfortunate events. But I do see some, uh, you know, we've been watching some SEC, some Big uh, Big 12 baseball uh, conference tournament going up on uh, on the television. So it is that time of the year. Uh, and as we wrap up things for the Nebraska baseball season, obviously they did not make the Big Ten tournament. We welcome in Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald to kind of catch, up up, catch us up on a busy baseball day even. Um, for uh, Nebraska as uh, a lot of guys hitting the transfer portal. Evan, how's your day going?
0: Yeah, you said it, man. It, wet and busy, I suppose, would be the two words to describe it.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it certainly, certainly has been uh, pretty wet out there the last couple of days. Uh, as we look at, uh, at at the transfer portal, it's been uh, it's been helpful in the be- in the football side of things, obviously. But today it looks like Braxton Bragg, uh, Ethan Bradford, Tyler Palmer, Jack Stey, and Quinn Mason all entering the transfer portal. What does this uh, What does this mean for Husker baseball?
0: Well, it means that the coaching staff is not thrilled with how this season went, and there's going to be some Roster turnover here, um, as we've seen today, and as we'll see here, I'm sure more in the coming days and coming weeks. Um, it, it's just, it wasn't good enough this year. And we'll alluded to it last Saturday after their season ended that everything was going to be reviewed from how they coach to the roster composition and everything. And so, you know, you look at the guys who left, uh, you know, Leighton Vanjoff was another one who was the, the everyday left fielder for Nebraska down the stretch. He was probably the most uh prominent player so far who's departed. And then Braxton Bragg into the closer role. He he had five saves and um I would say was you know one of their better pitchers this past season. And so uh those those guys move on and then everybody else um you know, you're talking about second and third year guys, some who maybe just uh couldn't get right health wise, some who didn't like their roles or the way things were trending, and so they move on and Uh, you know, like I said, there's going to be more departures coming, the draft, which will happen in mid July will inform some of those things, particularly with the seniors like Chase Shanneman or Griffin Everett or Cody Frank. And then, you know, you've got 16, um, you know, members of a recruiting class coming in at this point, including nine junior college players. They added another commit today. So. It's a it's a big roster turnover. They feel like um again, it just wasn't good enough this year and so you're going to see a lot of uh, different name tags here moving forward.
1: Yeah, and I've also seen like the expectation is to bring in a lot of JUCO kids coming in next year, is that right?
0: That's right. Yeah, they have nine junior college players now and you know, it's I think it's important to to sort of put out there that junior college recruiting in baseball is different than it is in in football, right? Like a lot of times Um, you know, in in football, guys go that route because maybe they don't qualify academically or there are other sort of, you know, issues. And and oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes there are red flags that you have to sort through. In baseball, often, you know, it's far more common for players to go that route, uh, one, so they have the possibility to be drafted sooner, but two, just so they get more playing time and, and develop. And oftentimes you see, players make big strides from their freshman year of college to their sophomore year or their junior year. And so, you know, in football, if you took nine or 10 junior college players in a class, you'd say, Whoa, you know, that's, that's probably not a good sign for where the program is in baseball. It's quite a bit different. And if you could hit on the right guys, uh, you know, they come in, they can fill a role pretty quickly. And so you look at some of the players Nebraska's bringing in a lot of hitters, Um, outfielders in particular, and then you have, you're trying to address pitching depth as well. So both in the starting rotation and in the bullpen. So I feel like, uh, that's, that's something that they're ready to address. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's a difference when guys have, performed at the college level and they're ready to roll as opposed to freshmen who maybe need a year or two to acclimate so that's sort of what nebraska's counting on with this many veteran guys coming in
1: well and obviously it's difficult with so much roster turnover and things to happen before next year to give too much of an outlook uh towards next year but i guess just for the 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 common fan that maybe didn't follow it too closely what what kind of went wrong this year and where does that kind of put the program moving forward? Because obviously it's a frustrating year for men's sports altogether. So it's easy to throw baseball in there, but they're, you know, a year removed from winning the big 10 title.
0: Right. Well, you know, it's interesting because the the headlines and if you just sort of followed it casually, I think the inclination would be to say, ah, you know, they had injuries uh, in the rotation and then the bullpen, and maybe they just ran out of arms, but, you, in, the more that you look at it, like the guys who filled in for those injured players actually performed pretty darn well. I mean, Emmett Olson ended up being one of the best pitchers on the staff, and he started the year as like the eighth inning guy. Um, Jackson Brockett was another young guy who was sort of thrown into the fire and did pretty well. And uh, CJ Hood is a freshman who who maybe got more high leverage situations than they thought. So you know, it's not to say that that Nebraska didn't miss Kyle Perry and Jake Buns because they very much did. But the the reason Nebraska is not sitting around in Charles Schwab Field waiting waiting out a rain delay right now is because of the offense. And you look at, I mean, they just they didn't get it done. They hit around 250 as a team, which you got to go way back to the 1970s. Last time Nebraska, from a batting average perspective, hit that poorly as an offense. And not only were they, you know, not getting hits, they weren't getting clutch hits, and oftentimes they couldn't even get productive outs. You know, first and third with one out. You saw way too many pop-ups and strikeouts as opposed to sacrifice flies or, um, you know, RBI groundouts or things of that nature. So the offense was a huge letdown. You're going to see a much different looking lineup in that regard next year. And then tied to that, um, you know, defensively, just it was, it was too inconsistent. They might have a few games where things look pretty good, but the list is a lot longer of games that they lost because of unearned runs or because of misplays, um, than it is uh, about, you know, game-saving catches or or clutch web gems or things of that nature. So, it was really more about the the offense and the and the defense more than it was the pitching. And so, I think in those areas in particular, you're going to see um, a lot of turnover here this offseason.
1: And then, uh, obviously, the big uh, turmoil over the weekend was that Nebraska won a few games that might look like they could get to Omaha, and then uh, Purdue and Maryland didn't want to play because of rain. And uh, you know, we've had Trev Alberts kind of had to speak on that. And um, where where do you fall on on the whole idea of them of them maybe not putting their best effort forward to get all their games in?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean it's it's not a good look, right? Like it, it's kind of hard to judge because you kind of have to go off of social media and what some of the people on the site said. But the fact is that they delayed the game by a half hour from, from it was supposed to be a noon central start. And the rain really didn't start until like two ten, two fifteen. So you could have gotten, there was at least a two hour, maybe a three hour window in, in West Lafayette where they could have played at least five innings to see what would have happened. And, you know, Purdue obviously was trying to make the field, but Maryland—they—they weren't going to roll over even as league champs because they were still fighting for NCAA regional seeding, potentially being a national seed and a and a host, and so they had a lot to play for too. What it comes down to, though, and and again, it's not excusing that because I think they could have gotten it in. The the forecast the night before spoke to that, like they could have played a doubleheader on Friday. I think that would have probably been the. Best course of action. If, they, if there had been a little bit more foresight or accountability, but you know, again, it comes down to if you're Nebraska, you never needed to be in a in a position where you have to worry about curfew times and weather 600 miles away. Like if you if you beat Minnesota, if you hold a three, it's the worst team in the league in the eighth inning. Uh, you know, two weeks prior, you're in. If you um, you know finish any any one game in any series against Michigan or Rutgers or Iowa. Or Indiana, you're in, and and they didn't do it, and so I think there was sort of a realization afterwards that yeah, they, they may, maybe they got jobbed by by uh, how that game out east was handled, but man, ultimately there was nothing, uh, you know, that, that you can do to place blame anywhere other than yourself for being in that spot, and so I think they they understood that um, they lost close games, they lost blowouts, they were not, um, you know, they weren't discriminate. Uh, discriminatory about how they were going to lose games, and uh, good enough. And so that's why I think you're going to see, you know, again quite a quite a bit of change here this off season.
1: And as we do turn our attention now toward the the Big Ten tournament up there in Omaha, again, uh, rain delayed today. I don't think they're going to get any games in. But um, it, as far as what what are we looking from that tournament? Like, is is it's, it's the Big Ten? We know not to very well established in in the NCAA. Is Maryland's in for sure? So there's not a, a one bid league to say.
0: No, it won't be a one bid league. It won't be a one bid league. I think you know Maryland's is a lock regardless. They're probably a top eight national seed. Um, you know, unless maybe they go zero and two. I think Rutgers is is safely in. I mean, they were the, the leaders a lot of the season. Their numbers and their RPI would indicate that they're probably safe as well. And then you know, I think the team maybe on the bubble would be Iowa. They're the they were the three seed, and I think they have an RPI in like the sixties. And you know, if you make a run, if you win two or three. Uh, you probably would have a fighting chance at an at-large bid there. So, you know, I think at the absolute maximum this year, the Big Ten would be, you know, three, probably a three-bid league. So you're talking, uh, you know, Maryland, Rutgers, and if somebody else were to go through and and take that auto bid, then they would have it. So that's probably how it is. And and so I think that's kind of what makes Nebraska's frustration um, this season all the greater is that it was not a good Big Ten le- uh, league this year. I mean, they've had five big leagues the last handful of seasons. They've had they've been pretty top-heavy. And this year, um, you know, it, there's, just, it, there's just not a ton of depth in the league. Scoring was way up. The pitching was way down, generally speaking. So I think you'll probably see a lot of runs out there if the weather allows games to be played. But certainly Maryland is the team that you point to and say, you know, they could be back in Omaha for the CWS in a few weeks if they continue to do what they do, Um, and other than that, the tournament kind of has shown anybody can win. I mean, if you're an eight seed, a seven seed, uh, anybody can make a run, so hopefully the games get in and we get some chaos.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Transitioning quickly to football here with Evan Bland of the Omaha World-Herald. Since we last talked to you, more portal additions for Nebraska. Uh, Actually, I think just one, and Marcus Washington, uh, the wide receiver there from Texas. Do you see see him as one of the more important portal additions for Nebraska this offseason? Well,
0: I don't know about this season. I I think he's an interesting addition because he has, you know, multiple years of eligibility remaining. And so he, you know, you look at what Nebraska did in the portal, they kind of found camps. There was the camp that was uh, you know, guys at positions of immediate need who needed to fill in, which quite obviously included quarterback, defensive line, um, offensive line, so on and so forth. And then there was sort of this group of guys that were younger players that maybe they were in on a few cycles ago that they still felt good about, and that would include guys like Tommy Hill and Kane Williams would be another young guy. And now you bring in Washington, who Nebraska recruited in that 2019 cycle. Uh, You you look at the receiver room, and, and it's maybe not an obvious need. Maybe they feel like he's somebody that could do some of what Xavier Betts did last year and and somebody who could fill sort of that, that X receiver role on the outside. Uh, But, you know, at the very least he's providing depth this year. He's a a former, you know, touted prospect, somebody who um, has done it at the major college level in the big 12 last year, who has a rapport with Casey Thompson from their time as as longhorns together. So it's certainly not a, a bad addition, but it feels like almost sort of a luxury, Sort of addition where this isn't somebody who's critical to Nebraska's success in 2022 but they feel like they can um, you know, develop into a really good player, if not this year, then down the road for sure.
1: And it also looks like the, the writing's on the wall. The days of uh, divisions in college football seem to be passing, although this upcoming year you still have uh, the Big Ten East and Big Ten West, it looks like. But moving on from that, we're talking about pods and three five five and a bunch of new terminology we're going to have to get used to. Uh, are you going to miss divisions in, in football for Nebraska? As Of course, they've been in the Big Ten West and the Legends and the Big 12 North for you know, since they joined the Big 12.
0: You know, I will. If it goes that direction, I I will miss divisions. Uh, you know, I think the the Big 10 West sort of had a certain character to it. Uh, you know, you think about all the the stops that Nebraska's made every year. I I will not miss trips to West Lafayette every other year <laughs> or to Champaign necessarily, but some oh, yeah. of those other venues are are pretty cool. Um, you know, the the thing about knocking out divisions from Nebraska's perspective is it in my opinion it makes their chase of a big 10 title, all the more difficult, right? Because in a division setting, if you win the West, then you're in a one game scenario with Ohio state or Michigan or whoever to win the league. And now, you know, you're, you're essentially competing against all of those teams all year. And so if you're eight and four in, you know, late October in, in a divisional format, you're, you're right in that thing. You're, you're trying to win that West title. You're trying to advance the big 12 title or big 10 title game. But if you, if you're just talking, you know, winning percentage, then eight and has probably got you out of the conversation by that point. You're, you're looking way up at Ohio state, Michigan and, and some of the other powers at the top. So I, I hope that it doesn't take away some of the, the drama and the interest and the adrenaline of the race, um, You know, I think it will strengthen ultimately the conference championship week because you truly will have the best two teams. And and as we know, the West has not fared well in that game. I just wonder if you're beefing up that championship game potentially at the expense of, you know, many weeks of, of conversation and drama before it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I see that, too. Obviously, it'll help Nebraska's scheduling, um, kind of bringing different uh, different people in. And I guess we'll just pray that Nebraska doesn't get put in a pod with Purdue and Illinois for your sake. So uh, we'll kind of see Ugh. it like this moving forward. Uh, he's Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Thanks once again, Evan, for joining us today. Hey, thanks, Bob. All right, there he goes. Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Uh, Strick had a little bit of uh, business to attend to, uh, but he might be back. He might be back for a shootout with Strick. Your chance to win $15 to Buffalo Wings and Rings here on 93.7 The Ticket on the block. If he is not back, well, you just have to beat me, I guess. We'll have uh, we'll have Nick jump in and give us some trivia. So either way, give us a call right now, 402-464-5685. First one in line, we'll have a chance to win $15 to Buffalo Wings and Rings. What will the topic of the game show be? I'm not sure. Uh, we've still got some work to do over there. Nate's getting it wrapped up there. Uh, but we'll be right back here on 93.7 The Ticket.